believer in Christ, have you been praying for divine intervention or God's help in real, overwhelming needs in your life? Have you asked Jesus to immerse and envelop you in the power of the Holy Spirit? The same power that he operated in to heal the sick, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, raise the dead, and perform mighty miracles is available to you today through the same baptism in the Spirit that he himself received. The next few minutes can revolutionize your life as you learn how to be clothed with power from on high. Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, An hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. Friends, Throughout this teaching series, I am leading you on a journey to discover the real truth about a matter second in importance to none except salvation itself, which is the matter of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Each segment of teaching is one vital link in that journey, which leads ultimately to the real truth concerning the role of the third member of the Godhead in your life, whom Jesus himself called the Helper, that is, the blessed Holy Spirit, the living waters of God. God says in Hosea 4.6 that his people, that means born-again believers, Christians, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Ignorance or lack of knowledge concerning spiritual matters not only is not bliss, but it is an open gateway to devastation and destruction. Jesus taught that the knowledge of the truth sets free, which inherently means that what you do not know of the truth will keep you in bondage. The unfortunate truth is that many born-again believers are being held captive by lack of knowledge of the truth and deceptions concerning this critical matter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. 
Now, some of the main points I am going to be establishing and providing scriptural support for during the course of this teaching are that, one, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate and distinct or adjunctive experience to the infusion of the Holy Spirit that takes place at the moment of salvation. Two, regeneration by the Spirit, that is, salvation, the new birth, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit are two distinct and separate workings of the same Holy Spirit. In salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live within the believer, imparting the fruit of the Spirit, that is, the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. In the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the believer is enveloped by or immersed in the Holy Spirit, that is to say, the Holy Spirit comes upon the believer, in contrast to in the believer, and imparts the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These facts are clearly supported by Scripture and are exemplified by the experience of Jesus himself, who is our supreme model. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus explicitly stated that the baptism in the Holy Spirit will be given to any believer who simply asks him for it. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gift of grace received by faith and often imparted through the laying on of hands by other anointed believers. A Different Gospel, Void of Power Each year, on a Sunday in May or June, 50 days after Resurrection Sunday, what many Christian denominations and sects insist on calling Easter Sunday, based on the pagan festival, is Pentecost Sunday. On that special set-aside day in the Christian liturgical calendar, what happened on the original day of Pentecost, which by the way means 50, will be acknowledged and in various ways observed by many Christian denominations, groups, Pentecostal and non-Pentecostal. Though its real significance is largely lost on most of its celebrants today, it is a day of commemoration of the original day of Pentecost that occurred 50 days after the resurrection of Christ, when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon 120 disciples who secreted themselves away in a small alcove that became known as the Upper Room awaiting the fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Acts 1.5 Christian Orthodoxy regards the original day of Pentecost as the birthday of the Church of Christ. 
It coincides with the Jewish Feast of Weeks, a.k.a. the Feast of Booths. It was on the last day of this seven-day feast celebrated in a previous year that Jesus first foretold of this outpouring of the Spirit that could not come until after His glorification, meaning His resurrection and ascension to sit upon His throne at the right hand of God. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. John seven thirty seven through 9 NASB. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, Luke recounted as rendered in the King James Version, the original day of Pentecost when the disciples were to receive the promise of the Father, Acts 1-4, with the result that ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, transpired thusly. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered, because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongues, speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, They are full of sweet wine. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall come about in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. 
and I will grant wonders in the sky above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that every one who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts 2, 1-21 after telling the multitude gathered that what they were witnessing was that which the prophet Joel had prophesied some 800 years or more before, Peter went on to preach one of the most revelatory and conscience-pricking messages ever preached, which resulted in the query of many in the crowd that typifies the cry of millions since, What must we do to be saved? Which Peter answered by saying, Repent! and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation." Acts 2, 38-40, KJV. The result of this mighty outpouring of the Spirit was that 3,000 in addition to the 120 were miraculously added to the roles of the redeemed. So then those who had received His word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Acts 2, 41. And the presumption by most theologians, which is the most reasonable presumption, is that it was with the Holy Spirit, not water, these 3,000 were also baptized, while the outpouring was still transpiring in addition to being infused with the Holy Spirit in regeneration when they repented and also received the Lord Jesus Christ in salvation and that as a result, these also began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. So the net result of this grandiose deluge of the Spirit from heaven was that there were now at least 3,120 Spirit-infused and Spirit-baptized believers comprising the Church of Christ on the day of its nativity. And Luke tells us that these initial congregants continued to abide in fellowship together, to be further nourished on the apostles' teaching, and that their numbers continued to grow on a daily basis. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together, and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions, and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need, day by day continuing with one mind in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Acts 2, 42-47, NASB.
Are you enjoying this podcast? Would you take just a minute to think about all the precious resources it takes to produce and make available a resource such as this? Time, talent, thinking, planning, preparing, studying, writing, editing, organizing, recording, audio editing, a multiplicity of post-production and publishing tasks, and on and on it goes. The big professional news and media companies employ 10 to 20 people to produce a presentation such as this podcast at a cost of hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you enjoy the program, would you be so kind as to take a minute and pray to ask God if He would have you lend a helping hand our way in the form of financial support? In about 30 seconds, you can donate at paypal.me forward slash SLM Inc. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash S-L-M-I-N-C to make a donation of any amount. Your gifts would be so greatly appreciated and used for the glory of God in the production of this program. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you abundantly for your generosity and graciousness. What a glorious start the church Jesus said he would build was off to after they received dunamis power, after that the Holy Spirit came upon them. But sadly, as we know, things with the first church did not continue that way very long. In fact, before the first century ended and the last book of the Bible was written, the church was already under siege by carnally-minded, non-spirit-baptized senos, Christians in name only, false brethren, 2 Corinthians 11.26, Galatians 2.4, enemies of the cross of Christ, Philippians 3. 18, who were well on their way to hijacking the church and gaining political control over it. Jesus even explicitly identified this clique of spiritual gangsters in the revelation he communicated to John, saying that he hated their deeds and disapproved their doctrines or teaching. Revelation 2, 6, 15. Though historical information of how the Nicolaitans were able to pull off this ecclesiastical coup d'etat is limited, they were able in a relatively short period of time to wrest authority over the church from the hands of the apostles, where it was placed by the ascending Christ, and to bring about a gradual curbing and eventual virtual cessation of the operations of the supernatural, manifestations of the Spirit for the common good, 1 Corinthians 12.7, by the saints as well. 
both the native authority and the power of the church were effectively abrogated and abolished, and control of the church was seized by this growing band of first-century Gnostics. The irrefutable historical fact is that the Nicolaitans' doctrines and deeds, powered by the unseen deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons behind them, led to the establishment of a hierarchical leadership system comprised of priests, bishops, archbishops, cardinals, and so on, subjugated ultimately to a singular religious potentate venerated as the human substantiation of Christ himself, the Pope. It was this institution of devoid of the Spirit, Jude 19, cessationism promulgating clerics that plunged the church into the spiritual black hole of the Dark Ages. Twelve hundred long years of spiritual deterioration and devastation from which the church is still in the process of recovery and restoration today. You're listening to The Real Truth Podcast. Other episodes of the podcast can be found at realtruthradio.com. The Great Apostasy, the True Beginning of Cessationism The Dark Ages, 313 through 1517 A.D., was the collective church's great apostasy prophesied by the Apostle Paul. But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, by means of the hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. 1 Timothy 4, 1-2 During this era of pervasive spiritual darkness, the truth of the Word of God was subverted by humanistic ideologies and vain philosophies, Colossians 2.8, the doctrines of demons of which Paul forewarned. Eventually, nearly every remnant of divine truth, the foundational teachings of the apostles upon which the church had been originally established, was distorted, debauched, deluded, degraded, abrogated, and abandoned. The ultimate goal of cessationism, to take away from the saints the supernatural power resident in the manifestations of the Spirit, or charismata, and supplant the native authority for the government and leadership of the church Jesus is building resident in the fivefold ministry offices, is clearly seen operating throughout the various ages of church history since the birth of the church Jesus is building on that first day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was first lavishly poured out upon the church. Personally, I believe that the archenemy of God and the church of Christ has been doing all he can to cause by whatever means possible a cessation of the gifts of the Spirit that come through the baptism of the Spirit ever since they were first poured out on the original day of Pentecost, because he knows full well just how powerful they are against him and his schemes. The demons also believe and shudder 
As with most other things, the devil and his cohorts know better and with greater conviction just how powerful that power is that Jesus said believers would receive through the baptism in the Holy Spirit than believers do. Thus, since that first outpouring, he has been waging an all-out, continual war to keep believers from really coming into that power, so to speak and getting a good hold on it, and using it against the forces of hell to the extent that they are able to render spiritual devastation against all the devil is doing in the world as the ruler of the world. John 12.31, 14.30, and 16.11, and the prince and the power of the air, Ephesians 2.2. 2. While some scholars and theologians posit that cessationism began in the 17th or 18th centuries, it is clear to me that cessationism began in the 1st century, from the moment the power of God was poured out upon the church on the first day of Pentecost. Multitudes of sincere and trusting believers are caught in the virtually invisible web of religious captivation in the churches they attend, the ministries they are under, and the networks they are aligned with, and don't know it. I'm Stephen Lambert, and I'm the author of the now classic book on the topic of authoritarian abuse in neo-Pentecostal churches. Learn more at charismatic Captivation.com. Charismatic-Captivation.com. Friends, I hope you understand how vital this teaching is you are hearing. The real truth regarding the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This issue is the most critical issue to the Christian life after salvation itself. Now, if you want that baptism in the Holy Spirit I've been talking about and would like to know more about it and how to receive it, I've written a book and even recorded an audio book of the book that will help you with that. The book title is Dunamis, Power from on High. Dunamis, Power from on High. Now, this concise book explains what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, the scriptural precedent and proofs regarding it, how to sort out the real truth from all the diverse teaching that exists concerning it, based on scripture, and it provides some simple explanation for receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want you to have this special book and or audio book I've prepared for you to help you understand it and to receive this powerful working of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can order the book and audiobook online on our website at realtruthradio.com. 
where you can place your order by clicking on the PayPal Donate button to use any bank card which does not require a PayPal account. Again, go to realtruthradio.com to place your order and where you can also listen to the recordings of all our podcasts. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose.